The following program is an original WWE podcast. Coming up, I'll be talking with very special guests, the big dog, Roman Reigns, and one of the most controversial men in all of WWE, Finn Balor. Plus, I may or may not have a few thoughts on what went down on Monday Night Raw. After the bell starts now. What's up? What's up? I am Corey Graves. This is After the Bell. Got some business to handle right at the top of the show. Before we have some fun, make sure you follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you're talking about me, good, bad, or indifferent, use the hashtag After the Bell. Follow me personally at WWE Graves. I swear I'm paying attention. I'm really bad at responding, but I read stuff. And uh, subscribe to After the Bell and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out. And if you're using an Android, follow ATB on Spotify or Stitcher or wherever it is that you choose to get your podcasts. Another insane week here in WWE. Travel-wise, personally, uh, I'm still trying to recover. My body's still trying to figure out which side of the earth it's on right now. But fear not, I am here I am fired up. I am well caffeinated. Lots to get to. One week from this Sunday Survivor Series, the old classic, once upon a time, the Thanksgiving Day tradition, which has really evolved, and the matches are starting to be announced. The teams are starting to be assembled. I have no doubt in my mind that the action on this card is going to be next level. In case you haven't heard, already announced, the one that's got me buzzing personally, Intercontinental Champion Shinsuke Nakamura versus United States Champion AJ Styles versus NXT North American Champion Roderick Strong. You got three of the best in the game. It's going to be outrageous. I have no doubt that bell to bell this event is going to deliver. Maybe better action in ring start to finish than any other card. I mean, you take this level of talent, you throw them together, magic and fireworks on tap. But that's not to say that maybe we couldn't do Survivor Series a little bit better. Hear me out. I enjoy Survivor Series. I hearken back to the days when it was rivalry-based, where you had two guys that had an issue that were forced to assemble a team, and those two teams would do battle as a chapter in the rivalry. Sometimes it got solved. Sometimes it didn't. But it wasn't about the brands. And I understand the battle for brand supremacy Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. But my question is this. Does anybody in the WWE universe really identify with a particular brand saying, oh, I only watch Raw or I only watch SmackDown? I get that NXT has a bit more of a niche audience, but to me, the whole brand supremacy thing doesn't seem to matter to anybody outside the doors of WWE. That's not to say we can't fix that. Okay, we just need some stakes. All we need to do is take these matches in the battle for brand supremacy. I'm going to say it ad nauseum like I will on television because I know it makes you crazy, but I'm programmed like a robot. I worry that the Survivor Series event, which is once upon a time a, a tentpole event, one of the big four as we call it internally, throw some stakes on it, man. It's becoming like the Pro Bowl in the NFL. There's really no point in playing the Pro Bowl aside from having an extra game and giving some guys a trip to Hawaii or somewhere nice because they had an awesome season. It happened a few years ago with Major League Baseball when the All-Star game began to matter because the winning league 
would host home field advantage in the World Series. So here's my pitch. How about whichever brand wins the most matches at Survivor Series, you reward them with something. Maybe the the 30th spot in the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches. Maybe you reward Raw or SmackDown or even NXT, whoever wins at Survivor Series with the main event spot at WrestleMania. Give the WWE Universe a reason to be excited for the entire pay-per-view. Yes, you are going to get incredible action. You are going to have awesome matchups. But put some stakes on the night as a whole. That way, one brand walks away not only with bragging rights, which is about the only reason we can really give for why these guys are trying to fight each other and form these weird alliances, but something tangible to look forward to in the future. And not that I'm not excited to see champion versus champion versus champion, because I am. As a wrestling fan, these matches are going to be awesome. I have no doubt about that. But I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that there are too many freaking titles in WWE. So why not consolidate all the titles? How much bigger would Survivor Series be if all of these champion versus champion versus champion matches were winner take all? How crazy would it be to see Roderick Strong win the matchup I talked about before, beat Nakamura, beat Styles, and then consolidate the North American, Intercontinental, and United States championships into one title. I mean, they all are essentially the same geographic region. But that way you have one champion. And then let the champion float. How cool would it be to have the Intercontinental champion, if that's the title you decide to hold, which would be my personal pick, because I'm a big fan of it, show up on NXT. If Nakamura wins and shows up on a Wednesday night and challenges Velveteen Dream to an Intercontinental title match, how cool would that be? Not only for Survivor Series, but beyond. It would really give an air of unpredictability and, to me, make all the championships more important rather than every brand having 47 titles. It's really hard to keep track of. It's very frustrating. Maybe I'm just old. Get off my lawn. But I think it could really make Survivor Series even bigger than it already is. The other reason I say this is because multi-man tag matches used to only occur at Survivor Series. Occasionally, once in a while, you'd see a six-man or an eight-man throughout the course of the year, but that was almost an exclusively Survivor Series thing. That was kind of the hook. Now, every episode of Raw, every episode of SmackDown, there's at least one match that has six or eight or 10 or 12 or 38 participants. It's kind of lost its luster. I'm not saying every match at Survivor Series needs to be traditional five-on-five, but we just had it at Crown Jewel. Granted, it wasn't elimination. The rosters are stacked. You put this level of talent in a match with time and creativity, and you're going to have some memorable moments. I I honestly, looking at, I think the only team at this point that's been officially announced is the Raw men's team completely, and the level of talent on that is unbelievable. I'm excited to see what they do. I have no doubt SmackDown is going to put together an amazing team. NXT, I'm curious to see what they put together. I'm curious to see what's left of their roster after TakeOver and the War Games matchup and uh, them doing what they do the night before. Uh, I think Survivor Series still has the potential to be one of, if not the coolest pay-per-view of the year, with just a slight few tweaks. See, I'm not all negative. I'm giving constructive criticism. I'm excited. I just think I could be more excited. On those points, I'm actually curious what you think. Send me a tweet, at WWE Graves, or tag the show at After the Bell WWE. I want to know your feedback. Do I have great ideas, or am I a complete bumbling idiot? Which I have a feeling I know what the answer already is on Twitter, but hey, 
trying to engage you. Smackdown emanated live from Manchester in the UK and a lot of big happenings this past Friday night on the blue brand. Got to start at the very top talking about the new Smackdown tag team champions for a seventh time, the new day taking the titles from the revival. And let me just say this. It's no secret how I feel about the revival. I have been a massive fan of Dawson and Wilder since their time in NXT. To this day, some of my favorite matches I've ever had the pleasure of calling were the Revival versus DIY, all through NXT. An unbelievably talented duo, but I'm not mad at this. You could do a lot worse than Big E and Kofi. Also, shout out to my man Woods. He's sitting at home recovering from Achilles surgery, uh, probably playing video games. Maybe he can listen to podcasts at the same time and multitask. Uh, Regardless... Everyone was clamoring and complaining because Kofi lost the WWE Championship in nine seconds to Brock Lesnar and and seemingly didn't recover immediately, didn't recover fast enough for everybody. Uh, So hopefully this, this will hold people over. Is it the same as being WWE Champion? No. But Kofi Kingston is one of the most valuable talents in the business today. So to have Kofi in the tag team picture alongside Big E just elevates the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. It also changes the complexion of the matchup schedule for Survivor Series. Out go the Revival, in come the New Day. Now you have Kofi and Big E versus the Viking Raiders, who I'll get to later in the show, and the Undisputed Era members Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. This one could steal the show. I'm stoked for it. But I'm also excited to see where this goes in the long term. And I've heard rumors and rumblings because that's part of our business. But I'm going to take full credit for what I'm about to say, and you heard it here first, from Corey Graves on After the Bell. This should be the opportunity for Big E's big singles breakout performance. Now, I'm not saying break up the New Day. They've gone on the record a million times and said, nope, they want to stay a unit forever, and I don't want to be the one to argue. But people forget, Big E was a former NXT champion. Big E, I believe, was United States or Intercontinental Champion very shortly into his WWE career. And that's when he was still figuring things out. My producer just told me he was an Intercontinental Champion. I've called way too much wrestling. I feel like everybody has been the champion of something at some point. But regardless, Big E now has the seasoning. He's no doubt learned spending all this time with Kofi. He's definitely developed in the ring. I mean, if you can't see that, then I don't know what you're watching. Big E has got future WWE or Universal Champion written all over him. As entertaining as all three of the New Day members are in front of the camera, we haven't even scratched the tip of the iceberg with what Big E is capable of as a performer. One of the funniest human beings that I know. Not WWE superstars, human beings that I have ever met in my life. Big E is wildly talented, and honest to God, man, I would love some sort of control to make this happen. I could start right now, and I think take this all the way to WrestleMania. Big E's final opportunity. He's always been the muscle of New Day. I I don't want to call him the third member because they've been a cohesive unit, about as cohesive as, as a trio can be. But I think it is damn time for Big E to have a massive main event singles opportunity in WWE. Now, I'm going to go right back to saying awful things about all three of them on Friday Night SmackDown because I genuinely enjoy it. But don't tell anyone. Actually, tell everyone. I want people to listen to this so that six, eight months, a year from now, I can say, ha, I told you so. 
Big E's WWE champion. And a man who is no stranger to being WWE champion, he's done it three times, is my next guest. But that's not it. He is a three-time WWE champion, former Universal champion, Grand Slam champion. He's won the Royal Rumble match. Not much he hasn't accomplished. It is, in fact, his yard. Please welcome the big dog, Roman Reigns. Corey, thanks, man. What's going on, brother? Oh, you know, I think I should be asking you that question. Uh, You guys are pretty deep into a tour, but that's just this tour. It seems like you've been on tour nonstop for the past few months. Yeah, this has probably been the craziest quarter of a year I've ever had. It, it seems like I've hit every tour. I think I really feel like we we're just talking about it. I feel like I've done every tour this year except for Japan. Um, so yeah, man. Between the South America trips, then we had the one where we did uh, the Philippines, I believe, Shanghai, Hawaii. So that was like our around the world trip, is what we called that tour. Working down to Australia, um, back up West Coast. Uh, domestic shows and then pushing out to Saudi and then doing that whole thing. In the meantime, trying to be a, you know, trying to be a dad, you know, trying to get home when I can um, all the way back out here to Europe. So it's been, it's been a hell of a few months, man. Well, you didn't do Japan this year. I'm sure there's always next year. <laughs> I, I've, I've had a few Japan stories. I, you know, I've had my Japan moments. So if, if I miss the next couple, it's not going to hurt me, but I always like going out there. It is a fun one, especially when you got the right guys with you. Absolutely. I was, I was talking to some of the guys after the uh, Manchester TVs about how as tired as we always constantly are, and you guys obviously a lot more than I am, I'm not out there taking bumps anymore, but it's, it's all the difference in the world when you got a good crew behind you and with you to spend the time and get through the days. You know, you, you got to kind of lift each other's spirits. You, you got to keep that morale up, and, and that kind of comes from the energy and the enthusiasm of being on tour. Um, I've always, that that's kind of always been one of my things, you know, being in my position, being in a leadership role, um, to have a good smooth tour, but have fun. You know what I mean? Uh, Dean Malenko told me a long time ago, you got to really enjoy these moments, um, enjoy these tours and enjoy, you know, traveling the, the world with your friends. Um, you know, and, and I know just from his experience, you know, obviously he lost a lot of his, his close friends, the, the, you know, his coworkers that, that he was uh, with at the time. But you just never know, and, and you know life can be short, and we just have to be grateful and just enjoy the moments. Uh, you can't be scared to, to work hard and, and have a drink with the friends after, and just you know enjoy these good times, uh, enjoy each other's company. Well, I want to touch on something you just mentioned about the, being in a leadership role. It's 2019, and being a locker room leader, which you undeniably are this day and age. What does that entail? I mean, it seems like the only real locker room leaders that you hear of, and it's almost in a wrestling lore sort of way, is like Undertaker back when days were the Wild West. In 2019, what does it mean to be a locker room leader in WWE? I think a little bit of everything. You know, uh, you know the, this job and, and this position has expanded so much, you know, with, with the growth of WWE, with the growth of our product, you know, and just uh, – just the whole role of a superstar in general. So, I mean, I, I think always for me, I mean, especially, I, I just think lead by example. Um, and that goes from everything, you know what I mean? Like, you know, just the way you carry yourself, you know, how you sell everything. I mean, you, you, you know, the deal don't sweat the little stuff. You, you, we sell in the ring, but, but not outside of it. Um, and especially not in the backstage. So, I think that's just something that I try to do is just make everything look easy. That way everyone's just like, yeah, man, who's doing it? Who's knocking it out? This is a rough travel day, but who's just sitting over there? You know, he's just got his shades on, chilling, listening to his music. You know what I mean? So 
I think just being able to handle everything um, and keeping a level head, even when the times get tough, you know, when, when situations aren't ideal, when we're having those crazy travel days, when we're doing the delay game all the way to cancel, uh, you know, cancellation of the flight, um, there, there's just got to be a few different things that you can do, you know, through your experience and through your example. In your role as a, as a locker room leader, you mentioned staying on top of the game. You've had to uh, experience sort of things that a lot of guys will never have the, the I don't want to say the trouble or the hassle of experiencing. I'm talking about the uh, the crowd reactions. And, and lately, uh, Seth Rollins, you know, your, your brother in the Shield, has had a, a, I don't want to say a love-hate relationship with a lot of the audience, but he's finding himself in that that role where you once were, where you could have saved an orphanage from a missile attack and no one would say say anything good about you. You kind of weathered that storm. And, and have, you, have you had any conversations with Seth, or has he asked you any advice as to how to deal with that? We, we've talked very briefly, uh, you know, but just the way, like, like, kind of, you know, explaining the whole travel lately it's it's really separated us because right now that i mean we, we've kind of been divided and we're both out to conquer you know what i mean and then we have to hold it down for you know our respective sides um you know with, with seth it's one of those things where he knows what to do you know what i mean he knows what to do he knows what to do in this business he knows what to do in the ring he knows how to carry himself he has all the intangibles um it, it's just a matter of just riding it out. This is a, a situation, you know what I mean, where sometimes it can be, what have you done for me lately? And you just have to remember, go out there the next night and kill it. Just continue to kill it. Just keep killing it. And that that's really all that matters is just continue to go out there and bust your ass and work hard. And and the product and, and the work and the cream always rises to the top, you know what I mean? So I And that's something Cena told me a long time ago is, don't go out there and stink it up. Have a good match. You know what I mean? Go out there and entertain, listen to the crowd, and just work hard for them. And at the end of the day, our fans are very passionate, and they can, you know, ride that fence from time to time. But there, there's no doubt they have respect for what we do. And, and whenever they know a guy is all in for them, a guy, you know what I mean, is willing to go out there and give everything, which Seth is one of those guys, a thousand percent, um, they always come back. So he, he's... Seth's a, you know, a pro wrestling guy, um, you know, and he's never going to go anywhere. Um, he's, he's always had the dream of being in WWE um, and doing this. And, uh, you know, having a little bit of a roller coaster ride isn't going to scare him away. If anything, this is, this is what you want, man. Like, I mean, just talking through it and, and cycling through it in my brain, that you want to have them a little bit polarized. You want them to compete. You want them to go nuts. That's the key. I mean, when they were, when they didn't like me, you were in, in the arena. It, it was loud as hell, man. They were they were loud, like because there's going to be those fans that want to fight back and cheer for you and compete with the ones that want to hate. Um, but you just got to remember, you know what I mean. All all those people on on his team, on his side, that you know that are, are loyal to him, will we'll be there. You know what I mean. And, and he just has to do him and just continue to just be the performer that he is. They may have a, a negative reaction. You may hear a chorus of boos when they make their entrance, but there is nothing like watching the crowd, the entire arena, eventually make its way to their feet and then counting along in the one, two, oh, that to me, just standing there and watching, or sitting ringside and watching it, that's the coolest thing in the world to watch, as you said, take them for a ride. 
just play that game of I do this, they do that, and you just learn from it every single night, and you just build these little skills and these instincts and these secondhand natures to where, you know, there'll be guys in there with me now, and I just, my, I do stuff, you know what I mean? My body will just do stuff, and it's, it's just, it knows. I don't even think about it. It just, it hears a certain noise, it hears a rumble, it hears a chant, and I don't know what it is. It's just, I guess, muscle memory and just reps, man. It's just taking these reps and, and being on all these tours year after year after year. Um, it's really neat to see it all kind of come together from, you know, the, the reaction standpoint, the kind of the love and the respect from the fans, and then also just the, the, the fine-tuned details of, of the work. Talking about learning and putting in the work, Corbin, I think you and I will agree, and I know I've had this conversation with a lot of guys, when he popped into FCW, he wasn't anybody's favorite. But, but here's a guy who put in the work, and now you could say he, he's worked his way into a top spot on SmackDown and, and within WWE, being able to work with guys of your caliber. Who that, that you look up and down the roster do you notice right now, saying maybe with a little more work, or I, I'd really like to, to spend some time working with that guy. It could be you know the next up-and-coming guy to climb the ladder. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you didn't, uh, I mean, just to touch on Tom or Corbin, uh, football, yeah, Tom, I, football, Tom. Me, <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, if you would have told me, I'd be like, I, I, we, he's been in the main event with me every single night, um, this whole tour. So if you would have told me I would have main evented a, uh, uh, a European tour with, with football, Tom, I would say, get the hell out of here. Man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but, but one thing we didn't, we, we always, and it, and it was, even with the boys back then, he got a reaction, right? He, he like rubbed us a certain way, you sure. know, he rubbed everybody a certain way. And I put, when push came to shove and it was time for him to get in the ring you know, when they're like, dude, you're going to get fired if you don't get in the ring. Uh, he picked it up, you know, he's a big guy, um, you know, and, and he's got good timing. I'll give him that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's just one of those things, and you've seen it a billion times, and you, you most likely saw it with me, is guys will just get it. You know what I mean? There would be a point in time where it's like two left feet just become, you know, good footwork. They, they just learn, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing out there, and it just clicks. And I think in the past couple of years, that transition has really happened for him. He's kind of, ever since he cut that hair off, I think, actually, is when it, <laughs> you know, and he picked up his... TGI Friday's outfit and all that crap, and he got real stupid and cocky. It just kind of started working for him, and the crowd started really hating him and booing him. And, man, I tell you what, every, every time we've been in, they, they just despise him. So it makes my job a lot easier when, when a guy can just walk out there and get under people's skin um, and just, you know, make it to where the crowd wants, wants another guy to come out there and kick his ass. So it's, it's, it's surprising, but... I don't know, man. You know, there's so many guys that can really, you know, they're, they're all, I really think we have a locker room full of guys who are just a step or two away. You know, they just need that, that little bit of time to shine. They just need a little bit of investment. They need whatever that character niche is to really stand out and, and, and put them on the map. But uh, as we all know, it's, it's one thing to get, you know, to that position. It's another to stay, man. And, and that's, that's where you really, you know, show your value is, you know, not just, you know, it, well, it does come back down to it is what, what have you done for me lately? You know what I mean? And we can't just go out there and have one good month or, you know, one good year, you, you know, in, in this day and age, um, your run has to be pretty significant, you know what I mean, to really make waves. Uh, John, you know, Cena changed that whole game for us. It was a lot different for Rock and 
Steve, you know, they, they did their thing and it seemed like it was kind of, you know, a transition into, into the next guys. But, but yeah, man, you gotta, you gotta be able to hold it down for a while and, and show that you can do this for quite some time because you know, there's no off season. And, uh, you know, the real way to show your value nowadays is consistency. And I think that's in everything though. It's not just this business, you know, people can complain and, you know, say that it's tough and the schedule's tough, but any deep level of success is an everyday job. You have to be on it, working at all times, constantly thinking about it. So, um, yeah, man. Well, you uh, certainly have proven your ability to stay on top of the game, which begs the question, uh, what's next? What's left for Roman Reigns? You've done just about everything there is to do, main evented multiple WrestleManias. What, what, does, what does Joe look forward to in WWE? Really just that interaction with the crowd, man. I, you know, I, I enjoy, you know, being in there with my coworkers. And, you know, there's some guys that, you know, when you're super close to them and you have those great moments out there, you know, if me and Seth ever have a big match, you know, there there would be a point where you hit, you know, a big double down late in the match and you're both just laid out breathing and spelling and you can just hear that energy. And th- those are the moments that chase is when it's like we're out there together and, we're both hearing this amazing, you know, response and it just makes it all so worth it. It makes everything that you go through in this job so worth it. So I think just, just the addiction to, to the reaction is kind of where I'm at now. Um, yeah. And, and just continuing to just pay back, uh, you know, the locker room and, and the company that that's done so many wonders for me, you know, I, I've been heavily invested in, for years. So if there's a way to help, if there's a way to help out younger talent, um, if there's a way to, to bring anybody up as usual, we should always want to be doing that. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to create new superstars, um, and push this product even further, um, and just continue to show just different sides, uh, you know, what we do within our, our genre of entertainment, um, and just continue to blow things up with Fox that, that, that's kind of where I'm at nowadays is just help out wherever I can, man. You know, the deal. Daymaker, brother. Daymaker. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm not going to keep you any longer. Get out there in front of the uh, WWE Universe there in France and get your fix. Power through that tour, man. I'll see you in a couple days. I appreciate your time, Moose. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Peace, man. I'll see you in Philly. Yes, sir. Monday, Monday, Monday. It has come that time where we discuss all things Monday Night Raw. Big news coming out of our Friends and colleagues, Renee Young and Booker T and crew over at WWE Backstage, it was reported this week that the Viper, Randy Orton, signed a brand new five-year deal, keeping him here in WWE. This is great news, not only for Randy, but for the WWE. One of the top stars of all time, I'll say it, of all time, not just recently, Randy Orton, one of my personal favorites. This only helps not only the Raw brand, it helps the entire roster to have a veteran the caliber of Randy Orton, who's still active, who can still teach the young guys, who can still compete at a high WrestleMania level. Whatever Randy Orton's getting paid is well worth it. But to Monday Night Raw itself, another three-hour extravaganza, as it often is. Raw emanated from uh, Manchester in the UK, much like Friday Night SmackDown. Truth be told, I was out of the building by the time Raw went on the air. So I actually watched it as a fan. As it happened, Monday night on USA Network, and a lot of really cool things to get to. The NXT UK takeover continued. 
Once again, Walter and Imperium making their impact felt. I'm a big Walter fan. I just think everything about Walter is so different, just a big bruiser. I love the whole concept of Imperium, all four of those guys treating the mat as sacred. What better place to really make your debut on the grand WWE stage than in the United Kingdom as the United Kingdom champion, Walter wasting no time making a big impact with one Seth Rollins. Of course, as tends to happen on Monday nights and Friday nights and anytime WWE does anything, chaos ensued and we were robbed of what I thought was a pretty cool match for the few minutes it was taking place, uh, which led to another cool match, multi-man actions, Kevin Owens and Street Profits coming to the aid of Rollins. Fun match for what it was, but give me Rollins and Walter one-on-one. I don't know when, I don't really care when, but just give it to me. Uh, also, Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews of NXT UK got a little face time in the ring with the Viking Raiders, the Raw Tag Team Champions. Always cool. I'm a big Mark Andrews fan. Really, really cool guy. Glad to see him get an opportunity. But unfortunately, what I took out of that is the waste that has become the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Viking Raiders. That's right. I'm calling it a waste. I am not calling them a waste. I am calling what I see of the Viking Raiders on my television is nothing but a massive missed opportunity. Yes, they are the Raw Tag Team Champions. I have known Eric for probably 15 years. We came up on the independence together in the Cleveland area. One of my favorite people in the business. I've gotten to know Ivar fairly well. These are two outrageously talented dudes. If you're not familiar, jump on WWE Network. Take a look at their time in NXT. Should you be so inclined, get on YouTube and find some of their stuff in New Japan or anywhere else that they've done it. Because the Viking Raiders are one of the best tag teams on the planet Earth. They are capable of Awesome matches night after night after night. And I don't think it's doing them any favors or the Raw Tag Team titles any favors having them beat the Long Island Polo Boys or whatever baseball team. I think it was the Cubs a few weeks ago. It's cartoony. It's silly. You have got two legitimate badass athletes. Ivar, especially over 300-something pounds, can do stuff men of that size should never be able to do. Let them shine. Hopefully, at Survivor Series, when it's champions versus champions versus champions, you've got the Viking Raiders, you've got the Undisputed Era, and now you've got the New Day. I have a feeling those three teams will make the most of the opportunity and may end up stealing the show at Survivor Series. I am clamoring. I am stoked beyond belief for the prospect of Eric and Big E facing off. Two true powerhouses in the midst of that matchup. Throw Undisputed Era into the mix This has so much potential to be awesome. I'm excited to see it. I'm excited for you to see it. But back to my original point. Give the Viking Raiders a chance, man. Maybe start a hashtag. That's how things change, right? Elsewhere on Monday night, my favorite segment and yours. And because this is a podcast, if you cannot feel the sarcasm dripping out of my voice, the next chapter in the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley saga. I'm not going to get all fired up anymore. I addressed it last week. I'm going to look at it for what it is. Somebody's watching this stuff. These segments have been doing massive numbers on social media, on YouTube. So somebody wants to see this. Maybe I'm missing the boat. All I know is when I watch these three incredibly talented performers, I want to see Bobby Lashley fight. I want to see legitimate badass Bobby Lashley, MMA fighter, 
former champion in WWE. I want to see Lashley do that. I want to see the Bulgarian brute. I want to see Rusev, who is exceptionally entertaining in just about every aspect of his life. I'm glad he's getting a chance to show what he can do in front of the camera rather than being a stoic monster. And Lana is outrageously talented. I miss the days of ice-cold, manipulative, uber-bitch Lana. I miss that. That was awesome. I will never forget. I think it was the first time I had a conversation with Lana was after WrestleMania when Rusev and John Cena did battle for the United States Championship. And Lana looked like the Ice Queen coming to the ring in all white with the fur and the soldiers and the tank, which apparently Rusev had just finished trying to conceive in. That's clearly why he lost the United States Championship. But regardless, that was money to me. That was awesome. So in no way, shape, or form am I speaking ill of the people involved in this. Maybe it's just not my flavor of ice cream. I guess a lot more people enjoy car crashes than I do. But hey, it looks like uh, no matter what we do on After the Bell or how much complaining everyone else is doing on Twitter, it's here for now. And basically, the best we can hope for is what it reminds me of, a spinoff show that once existed, whether it be on E! or Comedy Central, I don't remember the network, but somebody had the idea to take all of the plot lines of adult films and cut out all the nudity and all the suggestive material and just put the plot lines in succession to form a show. That's what this reminds me of. You're taking all the, 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 the payoffs out of the story and you're just going, oh, hey, wait, this doesn't, I'm confused. I don't understand. Uh, the pizza guy did what? Uh, I don't know. I'm confused. Regardless, just enjoy it for what it is. If nothing else, it's a car crash. And hopefully everybody else will be better off when this runs its course. I know that after sitting through that, I wanted to take a cold shower. Maybe even some time off. NXT continuing to make waves on Raw, on SmackDown with the takeover of the red and blue brands as we march towards Survivor Series. But we need to talk about NXT TakeOver, and I'm not talking about what happens on USA and on Fox. I'm talking about the live event, one of my personal favorites in sports entertainment, NXT TakeOver. It goes down the night before Survivor Series in Chicago, and what a colossal announcement was recently made by General Manager William Regal, the first ever all-women's War Games match. This is one that genuinely excites me. War Games, classic concept, made anew in NXT over the past few years, but this is the first time the ladies get a chance to try their hand, and if history is any indicator, when the women are given an opportunity of this magnitude, they over-deliver. And it's something that is actually reminiscent to me of, of a few years back, with all due respect to the women on Raw, with the women on SmackDown, this current iteration of the NXT women's division is more exciting to me than anything else going on in WWE. It reminds me of a few years back, the glory days, so to speak. It wasn't even that long ago, but in the days of the four horsewomen. The days where NXT's women's division really set the bar and kind of helped put the wheels in motion for what would become the women's evolution. They are stacked with talent right now. You've got Shayna Baszler, who, in my opinion, is the best women's wrestler in the game right now. I cannot get enough of watching Shayna beat people up and hurt people. I believe everything about her. 
You've got Rhea Ripley, who's just so different and refreshing. Bianca Belair. I mean, the list goes on and on. And every time these women are given a platform, they knock it out of the park. I have absolutely no doubt that what these women do in Chicago will have people buzzing for potentially years to come. But if you're talking about creating a buzz, not too many people have turned the NXT universe and beyond upside down in the past few weeks like my next guest. The yellow brand was happy to welcome the return of the prince. My guest right now, Finn Balor. Cordy, what's going on, man? Good to talk to you. Likewise, it feels like it's been a million years since I've seen you. It feels like it's been a million years since I bumped into you in the performance center when I was on like my first week at NXT. <laughs> it was it was a crazy crazy. I just missed you. Talk about ships passing in the night. I had, my in ring stuff had just finished up right before you arrived, and I remember being kind of bummed out. We never got to work together. I know, man. You're one of the guys that you know. I'd be in Japan and I'd be watching uh, NXT, and you know there was you, Neville, Sami Zayn. All these guys were kind of you know doing something that was so cool so new you know you were one of the guys that i always hope to work with and i think you were just getting like your evaluations done or something with your concussion right as i was coming in and uh wasn't meant to be dude timing is everything but at least we uh get to work together in this capacity as i mentioned before you kind of turned the nxt universe upside down and uh shocked everybody when you'd been off of raw and smackdown for quite some time and you reappeared where it all began in the wwe in nxt uh let's start at the top man how did it start how did this come to be it came to be a couple months ago and you know things weren't kind of going as smoothly or really not i don't want to say as smoothly but you know i just wasn't happy with where i was at at ron smackdown uh had a conversation with hunter we pinged some ideas back and forth uh i took a little time off and came back at nxt and uh it's, it's all been awesome since so I want to talk to you about your time off. It, it seemed like for a long period of time here in WWE, that was sort of a bad word. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody ever wanted to take time off. How important was it for you, not only as a man, but as a performer, to get a little, little you time? It's weird, right? It's almost like uh, you're asking for something that's taboo. You know, it's like people wear like this idea of like wrestling, you know, 170 shows a year as like a, as like a medal of honor. And like, you know, it is cool, but like, Last year, I wrestled 172 matches, more than anyone else in the company. You know, it takes its toll, not physically, I think more mentally. And, you know, I've been doing this like 19 years. I've kind of had my fill of wrestling. I just felt like, you know what, I haven't done anything for me in, you know, probably since I left high school. So, you know, I figured it was time to take a little time off, reevaluate, reassess where I was, not only professionally, but personally, and uh, went away, got married to a beautiful woman and uh kind of took stock of what i was doing with everything uh in wrestling and kind of gave myself like a new perspective on everything well congratulations by the way i feel like a terrible friend that i uh, didn't even send you a text i found out about it on instagram <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen i think my parents found out about it if i text the day off so don't worry <laughs> so, so you mentioned needing needing a little mental refresher which uh, i mean could be a result of a significant amount of time. You debuted on Monday Night Raw, became the first ever Universal Champion. Between injuries and, and just various different occurrences, maybe didn't find the level of success you'd hoped for on Raw or SmackDown? I don't know. People like gauge success differently, you know? Not everyone can be champ, but for me, I was, I was having a great time on Raw. I was going out there, I was learning, I was adapting, and, you know, sometimes 
you just got to make the best of what you're given in those situations. And, you know, I feel like I always made the best of uh, anything that I was given. I don't think uh, there was anything that was a failure, so to speak. I just feel like uh, maybe I'm guilty of not kind of being a squeaky wheel sometimes with regards, hey, I don't want to do that. Hey, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, I think definitely the time away helped me kind of reevaluate, you know, how I view myself and uh, how I kind of appreciate you know my own input because dude i was doing this for 16 years before i came to wwe and you know every idea every match every entrance every costume is your own thought it comes from your own imagination and then all of a sudden you're in this machine that is telling you what to wear telling you what to say telling you what to do and I'll hold my hands up and say, dude, I'm guilty of just going, okay, yeah, no problem. Whatever you guys want. I'm a team player. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever it is to tow the company line. And I think that probably affected a lot of not only my performances, but maybe my creativity, not believing in what I was doing out there, but doing what people wanted me to do. And you know, with the time off and kind of resetting and reevaluating everything, I feel like that I'm not playing ball anymore, that I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I think I value myself a little more as a performer. And as I said, I'm not going to play ball anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. If people like it, cool. If they don't, cool. But I'm tired of pretending to be someone I'm not. A lot of people said, hey, Finn's gone back to NXT, but really I've just gone back to being myself, dude. Hindsight being 2020. If Finn Balor could change something about his time on Raw or SmackDown. What would it be and why? Dude, I wouldn't change anything because I learned so much. It's almost like a, a growing process that you have to go through those growing pains to kind of get to where I am now. And, you know, everyone's been through times in their career and everybody's been through times in their life. And I don't want to say it was a time, but it was a time that, you know, looking back now, I learned more than anything in those, you know, whatever it was, three years on the on Raw and SmackDown. So I wouldn't necessarily change anything, but I've learned a lot from it. And, you know, I can take that forward. And, dude, I still got another, like, I believe, like eight years left in me. So not a lot of people have been fortunate enough to have done what I've done so fast. And like, people always think, hey, dude, this guy's been around forever. I was like a year on the main roster, and I'd had like four matches, you know, because, like, <laughs> I, because I'd gotten hurt. So, like, I come back. And I'm still learning how to, you know, hit times, do segs, understand what break spots are on live TV. And it's my fourth match. People are going, this guy's established. This guy's been around years. It's like my fourth match, you know. So even though, like, you know, I was considered, like, you know, the first Universal Champion, all this stuff, beat Roman Reigns on my first night on Raw, I came in so hot that people didn't realize that I was still green. I was still green as hell and I was still learning and I was still, you know, trying to like figure out the lay of the land, figure out what works in the WWE style because WWE style is like totally different than anything. It's different than NXT, it's different in Japan, different in Mexico, different in Europe. And trying to like figure that out as I'm going on live TV, as the world's watching and critiquing and, you know, talking and it's put me in a place, obviously, you know, it was, it was a difficult process, but it's put me in a place now that I feel like I have an advantage over everyone because I've done the British Indies, I've done Mexico, I've done Japan, I've done NXT, I've done WWE, I've done WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles and all that. 
trust me, I know what I've done in this business and I know what I've achieved and I've achieved and done more than most people will ever can imagine. But it's time now to, like, to, to restart Finn in NXT, reassess everything, take stock of everything that I've done for the last 19, 20 years, put it all together, put it in something that I believe in, something that you know I'm invested in, and put it out there as creatively as I can. So it sounds like your, your time spent in the fire, so to speak, has uh, given you a Rhodes scholarship to succeed back in NXT where it all began. What <laughs> yeah. are you most excited about being back in NXT? Yeah, the schedule's great. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that too loud. You'll have half the roster trying to get down there. <laughs> hey, more the merrier, man. Uh, honestly, I'm just happy to be back in the ring. Uh, obviously, the time away uh, was great mentally, physically. To be back in the ring, to be back around the boys, to be working with a brand that's kind of everyone's kind of working in the same direction, got the same kind of drive and ambition and passion. Just good to be part of something that, you know, I believe in. Well, I had a chance to talk to Adam Cole last week, and he said what was different from, I know, my time in NXT versus today was it was always sort of that us versus them mentality. And he said to this day, it's more of an us versus us, where it's NXT trying to constantly one-up one another, each other, and try to really advance the brand as a whole. Is that exciting to be a part of for you? Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, the wrestling business is obsessed with us versus them, but we're not in competition with anyone except ourselves, man. And that's the only person I'm trying to compete with is myself, who I was yesterday, last week, last year. So, of course, you know, people want to do well, want to do better than others, but really I just want to do better than myself. What's it mean to you personally to have Hunter come to you and basically give you the keys to the kingdom and say, hey, this is my brand, this is our brand, welcome back, and kind of have your, your own input and be able to put your stamp on it for a second time? It's beautiful because I feel like um, first time I came in, I was still learning not only about, you know, WWE style of wrestling, but I was still learning about America, still adjusting to life in a different country that, you know, I'm still working here on a visa, dude. Like, I don't have a green card. I don't have a, a citizenship. So like, I was still like a lot of things that was going on in my personal life that I was trying to adapt to that, you know, I couldn't really fully focus on what my job was, which was, you know, to develop as an NXT superstar and be NXT champion. So kind of coming in now fully committed, having gone through all the kind of the growing pains of adapting to life in the US, I feel like right now, mentally, I'm clearer than I've ever been in my career. When I go to work, I'm 100% invested. And when I come home, I switch off. And it's perfect, man. I'm not sitting at home dwelling over what happened last week. And I feel like it's given me a better, uh, a better perspective on everything. I'm not influenced in any way by anything else. So I know that when I go out there, I'm doing, you know, something that is mine and something that is original. And uh, getting to work with Hunter, obviously, uh, you know, he's someone that you know I've worked with a lot over the last five years. And uh, getting to to do it at NXT again with the brand now on uh, on TV, it's uh, it's it's cool. It's funny you mentioned all the growing pains of coming here to, to America. I seem to remember vaguely some sort of uh, moment with Dusty Rhodes when you were just learning to drive. I, <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting in the lobby of the Performance Center, and I think you had just come back from a lesson or you had just gotten your license. I believe Dream took credit for teaching you how to drive. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, 
I remember he was so amazed by the fact that I'd never driven before. You know, I come from a small town in Ireland where it wasn't really necessary to drive. And then, you know, when I'm 18, all of a sudden I'm, I'm in England and I'm getting bussed around to, to wrestling shows. And then I'm in Japan at 24 and, you know, just driving hadn't really been something that was an, a necessity until I came to US. So I was at the performance center and I was getting my my uh, my license that I get to skip out of class at the performance center to, to go do driving lessons. And I think I came back from one and I was just coming in the door as Dusty was coming out. And he said, oh, where were you coming from? It's coming from my driving lesson. So that was pretty much about it. I think I sat up in the car with him and we took a photo. And uh, Yeah, I recall the photo. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. feels like a million years ago, man. It's absolutely crazy yeah, how fast yeah, everything that, moves. That's, that's only five years ago, man. I know. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's kind of scary to think about how fast not only life but the business especially moves along. And that was kind of the reason why uh, why I wanted some time off to try and like reassess and revalue time because we do so much in so little time. Like I remember I was in I was in like Europe for like eight days, nine days straight. We flew back to Texas, then we flew to Saudi Arabia, then we flew back to like San Francisco, and like the days were becoming a blur. And I was like, when was when did I talk to that person? That must have been like six, seven weeks ago. And then, like, I'm riding with Hawkins, and he goes, dude, that was last week. I said, like, what? <laughs> so, like, so like everything was becoming such a blur. I'd, like, no, like, uh, gauge of, like, time in the sense of, like, when did that happen? When did what happen? Who did I wrestle last week? Who did I wrestle two months ago? What? That match was that match was six months ago? It feels like, you know, feels like ten years ago. So um, that was kind of part of the reason why I wanted to take some time off, too, and just kind of chill and, here we are now, dude. All right. So now that you're refocused and refreshed and you've got a, essentially a brand new roster at NXT compared to your time spent there before, give me some names. Who are you excited to step in the ring with in NXT? I know the storyline is not really um, divulging any information, but someone who I've been in the ring with once before and someone who I'd love to get in the ring with again is Adam Cole. Whether that will happen or not, I don't know. Johnny Gargano is someone who uh, I think is really connected with you know, the NXT audience, uh, someone who I'd love to get in there with too. And I think Matt Riddle would be an incredible test for me personally. Three of those guys for sure. It's a stacked roster and, you know, I'll, I'll get in there with any one of them. Well, it definitely is. And we saw last week the closing moments of NXT, a little, uh, little tease with you and some old friends. What are the odds that someday within the confines of WWE, whether it be on Raw or SmackDown or now in NXT, we see the... Uh, I'm, I'm going to say it, the Bullet Club reunion. <laughs> the Bullet Club reunion. Uh, everyone talks about the Bullet Club reunion, but like, you know, off camera, we're still, we're still, we're still boys, you know? So whether it happens on screen or not, I don't know. Is it one of those things that it almost nearly happens and then doesn't? Is that cooler or will it be the case of when we give it to them, it's... It's, oh, that was it? Oh, I was hoping it was going to be cooler than that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's, that's definitely a real risk. You could have just left well enough alone, leave the memories alone, rather than trying to recapture the past to a lesser extent. And, you know, we keep talking about this five years. I've been in WWE five years. So, like, that Bullet Club stuff, for me, is six, seven years ago. So trying to, like, go back in time that far, for me, is, uh, you know, I'd rather come up with something new, create something new, create something you know, that people can talk about fresh, that can leave another legacy, another chapter of my career. Uh, and hopefully uh, that's what we can do at NXT. 
Well, it's definitely a new chapter for you. This is a, a new attitude to anybody who maybe hasn't followed Finn Balor for his entire career. This is really the first time you've been uh, the on-screen villain, so to speak. How exciting is that for you to show this the WWE universe, this side of you that you know maybe you were comfortable with many, many moons ago? People won't believe, but for most of my career, I was a villain. And, uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember the Prince, and I was like, "Oh man, this is cool." I feel like in life, I'm not a dick, but like, I can, <laughs> I can, I can be a bit of a villain too. You know, obviously, it's nice to be polite and humble, but I think, uh, you know, my real personality comes out when I'm when I'm playing a villain and when I'm playing what we call a heel or a bad guy, and uh, I feel a lot more comfortable in that role. You know, there's only so much you can say uh, as a babyface. There's only so much, uh, you know, of the, the squeaky clean, smiling, good guy, underdog babyface that people can take. And uh, I think for me, having gone through what I've gone through, I should have a chip on my shoulder. I should have an ego. I should want more. I feel like it's easier for me to, to kind of channel my own personal, you know, feelings, playing a villain. I'm happy for you, man. Personally, professionally, it sounds to me like you're in an awesome place, and uh, I'm really glad to hear that that's where you are. Thank you very much, brother, and uh, good luck with the with the podcast. I'll be listening. Please do. Please do. I need to uh, pay the bill somehow. And maybe I'll take a trip down to Orlando sooner or later. Come check out uh, NXT. Hopefully, brother. Hopefully. All right, Finn. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Corey. Alas, our time here on After the Bell is winding down. I feel like I should take a nap, but after listening to Roman Reigns at the top of the show, I uh, I think I'd feel guilty doing that. Got to power through like the big dog. Anyway, make sure you uh, give us a follow at After the Bell WWE on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join the conversation. Use the hashtag After the Bell. Follow me at WWE Graves. You can tell me how much you love my show or how much you hate me. It's fine. I probably won't pay attention anyway, but I'll pretend. Subscribe to ATB. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Android, follow ATB on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Google Podcasts, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts. I want to thank the big dog Roman Reigns and my man Finn Balor for joining me and chopping it up for a little while today. I also want to take a second to thank everybody from top to bottom in the WWE crew. Both Raw and SmackDown still winding up their European tours. I was lucky enough to get home a few days before, but I had a... uh, little moment of gratitude after TV the other night, and I was sharing some cocktails with some friends. The entire crew were gathered, and it just kind of dawned on me. It happens once in a blue moon where I realize how grateful I am to have not only this awesome job within this world and this business that I love, but to have an awesome crew to share it all with. And it truly is a team effort from the catering crew to everybody in the travel department to, of course, all the boys and girls on screen, behind the screen, um, it is, it's truly an honor and I feel like it sometimes isn't expressed verbally enough. So I think I'm not only speaking for myself, I think I can speak for each and every person, uh, in this crazy life of ours that, uh, we owe everyone, each other, a thank you. And let's keep doing this thing. This actually is quite a great segue because this is what I do for a living now. Segways into my little moment of Zen. Brene Brown was the one who said it. The quote is, what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. I've got gratitude for you guys for sitting through my nonsensical diatribes today for all things WWE and this entire wacky business. That's some zen for you. I am full of it. I will be back next week, hopefully better rested, chock full of more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE. 
after the bell. This has been an original WWE podcast.